Good morning, and welcome to episode 504 of Effectively Wild, the daily podcast from Baseball Prospectus, presented by the BaseballReference.com Play Index. I am Ben Lindbergh, a writer for Grantland.com, joined as always by Seb Miller, editor-in-chief of Baseball Prospectus. Hello. Hi, how are you? Okay, how are you? Pretty good. Got that trade deadline fever. Mm. <laughs> so good. Yeah. So, so good. <laughs> yeah. Like, like most fevers. <laughs> right. Um, pretty, pretty slow so far. But the danger about talking about trade deadline topics as we record the night before the trade deadline is that by the time you're listening to this, who knows what, what will have happened. Um, yep. So do you want to say anything first? Uh one, two, two quick things. One, I uh, nobody will care about this uh, except one person. But I just want um, to note that uh, my father, who is a regular listener of this podcast, mm-hmm. uh, is retiring today. Today is his last day of work after forty-three years of forty-two years of uh, incredibly important and selfless work. Uh, and uh, he taught me uh, everything about baseball. He taught me how to like baseball, and um, he also taught me how to work. So the two things that brought me. To this podcast are, are due to him, uh, and as are a number of the questions we've an, uh, answered on email Wednesdays. So I just want to note that uh, that uh, I guess uh, congratulate him or something, but I don't know how that goes. <laughs> nobody nobody else is knows who he is. Um, so I, I wanted to say that the other thing is um, uh, Brett Anderson. Uh, there were trade rumors about Brett Anderson, and then there were uh, there were denials by the Rockies that they would ever trade Brett Anderson. They said, he is not on the table. He is not He is not tradable. They have a one-year $12 million option for him next year that they say they intend to exercise or perhaps sign him to a long-term deal. Mm-hmm. And and Ben, I just, what is the, I mean, what is up with Brett Anderson? Why do teams want him so much still? Like, <laughs> I, I understand that that uh, if, I, if, if I had the chance to have Brett Anderson, I would probably also want him. He's He's an exciting. Well, he used to be a very exciting pitcher, and he probably still isn't to some degree exciting. And he struck out nine batters and walked nobody uh, in his start tonight. But he's like uh, almost the. He is almost the most extreme example right now of a pitcher who can't stay healthy. He is. Mm-hmm. He might be the. He might be the go-to guy, and he hasn't even really been good when he's been pitching for a few years. Um, his uh, his peripherals aren't notable this year uh he's 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 getting ground balls that's he is a good ground ball pitcher but he no longer strikes batters out like he uh like his promise was uh he uh is only throwing 91 where he used to be up at 94 and he's only managed 40 innings this year after 44 last year after 35 the year before after 83 the year before after 112 the year before why would anybody who has brett anderson on their staff and no disrespect to Brett Anderson, who's accomplished a great deal and might win a Cy Young at any given moment. But why would anybody who has Brett Anderson uh, under their control and and a person willing to to give real bona fide product for him not be wanting to do that? Uh, 
<laughs> I don't know. I certainly wouldn't include him on an untouchable players list or what was the what was the term that we substituted for untouchable last year because someone used it like unreachable unreachable um okay. yeah I, I don't know why he would deserve to be on on any list of cornerstone players that you wouldn't want to consider trading if if anyone should be on that kind of list maybe it's because he he keeps having different injuries could that be why like he you can kind of convince yourself that that it's just a series of freak things. Like the time he missed this year was a fractured index finger. And right. the time he missed last year was a foot stress fracture and an ankle sprain. And then before that, it was Tommy John surgery and, and elbow stuff. But it's it's different stuff every year. And maybe when it's a fracture, you look at it and say anyone could could suffer a fracture it's not a yeah. it's not a chronic issue and yet it's happened to him so many times that maybe it is <laughs> maybe his maybe his bones are brittle i don't know yeah um so best guess let's say the rockies sign him to a four-year extension in this winter mm-hmm. uh i don't that i don't think they will but let's say they do so they have him for 2015 16 17 and 18 what would be your best guess for how many innings he throws in those four? <laughs> three f- ninety. Okay, I was gonna say three fifteen. Mm-hmm. It did. I after you said three, I for just a second you went. F- <laughs> I thought you were gonna say fifteen. <laughs> you didn't. I didn't. There was also a there was a Dan Ugla being released scare earlier uh-huh. tonight. <laughs> he was reported that he has been released. He has not actually be re- been released. So. He has a little little longer leash, as we discussed yesterday. Uh, and congratulations to your to your dad, to Mr. Miller. Mm-hmm. We have to got to keep the podcast going so he'll have something to do during his retirement. It was a commute podcast for him, though. Uh oh. <laughs> okay, so maybe he'll stop listening now. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so I want to maybe he'll start his own podcast and yes, and defeat us through competition. That could be. Keep an eye out for mm-hmm. new podcasts. <laughs> Maybe he and I will start a podcast and leave you. Maybe Ditch me, yeah. Miller and Son. Maybe you'll hire him to write for Baseball Perspectives, and then you, you won't need me anymore. Maybe okay. I'll maybe I'll just let him be the, the the podcast co-host, but not tell anybody, and you'll just wonder why I'm so different. <laughs> Does he sound like you? Nobody looks like me. Oh, yeah, that won't do it. Uh, Okay, so I want to talk about the Red Sox, and again, it's a, it's a somewhat time-sensitive topical topic, but not not really. We can talk about the, the Red Sox being rumored to be sellers, even if they don't actually sell later today. So the the question, I guess, is is why the Red Sox are sellers, or should they be sellers, or why are they... Why are they reported to have been selling the players that they are selling? So I've been reading over the monster, the the SB Nation Red Sox blog, where our friends Matthew Corey and Mark Normandon write, and Matt was uh, Matt wrote about John Lester, who has of course been the subject of many trade rumors at this deadline period, and Mark wrote about John Lackey, who has also been the subject of a lot of rumors, and. I thought back to the the last time that the Red Sox were sellers, 
August of, of 2012, when, of course, they, they pulled off the big Beckett-Crawford-Gonzalez deal with the Dodgers. And at the time, the Red Sox were almost exactly in the position that they are now in the division, at least. At the, at the time, I think it was August 25th, 2012, maybe when that went official, they were 13 and a half games back in the AL East. They are, as we talk now, 13 games back in the AL East. They've actually played worse than they were playing at the time in 2012, uh, at least in terms of, of record. And so I'm wondering, they find themselves back in this position of selling again. And that that trade was was their way of kind of doing a almost like a quickie rebuild, kind of just jettisoning these big contracts. They've, they found a team in the Dodgers that is not usually around that was trying to do their own quickie rebuild fix up and were willing to spend just about anything and uh, were willing to take on Crawford's contract and Beckett's contract and Gonzalez's contract. And they got out from all of those financial obligations and then they were able to to make some judicious signings over the, the offseason after that and then they go on to win the World Series and it seems like order has been restored. Of course, uh, things have not gone as well for them this year. And yet that trade still has some bearing on their situation now because the the great thing about that trade from their perspective was that they got out from all of these massive contracts that were threatening to hamstring them for years to come. They now have very, very few financial obligations uh, for, you know, beyond the next year or so. Matt points out in his piece at over the monster that in 2016 the Red Sox have only about 13.4 million dollars committed to mm. to two players. Uh, they they don't have. I mean, they have some some homegrown guys, obviously, but but they don't have a lot of. Uh, let me pull up their their Cots contract page, um, and I will give you an answer on that. But uh, uh, one one is a and one is a 245 thousand dollar buyout. <laughs> on Clay Buckholtz team option. So Right. I'm, I'm guessing the other one is Pedroya, maybe? Uh yeah, well yeah, of course Pedroya's uh definitely committed for some time. So um so it's not that they have to make these moves to reposition themselves in the way that they did the last time they sold. And it doesn't seem like they would consider themselves out of it for next year or or that anyone would. Of course, the, the issue with Lester is that he is going to be a free agent. And for whatever reason, they have not been able to come to an agreement on an extension, which I assumed and I think the safe bet was that that would get done at some point, either before this year or during this year, just based on, uh, you know, he, how good he's been and how he's been there for a while and, and the trend toward teams extending their players rather than letting them walk. And for whatever reason, they don't seem to be willing to give John Lester the kind of contract that he would command on the open market. And there is something that we talked about, I think last year, maybe with Chase Utley or or some other player about the fact that teams never trade players who are approaching free agency just to get the prospects and then bring them back and then re-sign them as free agents to 
kind of get to keep the player, but also get the the prospect hall. That never really happens, mm-hmm. and, and uh, we've wondered why it doesn't happen more often. And in Lester's case, uh, he has said things that would suggest that that could happen, that he'd be interested in coming back, even if they traded him, and that the Red Sox would be interested in keeping him. But but once you trade him, of course, the Red Sox can't control his market any anymore. Um, anyone can come in with a big offer and swoop in and steal him away, even if the Red Sox would like to bring him back. So, so it's maybe kind of curious that they haven't just made a, a bigger commitment to him. Why? What is it about him that that worries them? I suppose, or or that makes them not want to just pay what would seem to be the market rate for him. And then uh, Lackey, of course seems he is under contract for 2015 and he won't be making much money because of his his elbow injury clause um that uh converted the the last year of his deal into uh, league minimum salary or, or something close to it so that doesn't seem like a guy you would necessarily want to sell either if you were if you were committed to contending next year as as it seems like the red sox are so do you have any thoughts on why they would be interested in dealing these two players, why they would be interested in, in dealing players, period? Um, well, so first, let me ask you something. When, when we hear that they only have $13 million committed to 2016, anytime you hear that about a club, um, it's like, Check out how awesome this club is. Like, look at what a great situation they're in. And anytime you hear the reverse, it's like, whoa, better be worried about these guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have, you know, half their payroll committed for 2016 or whatever. Uh, do you think that at this point we should think of it that way? Is it? Could you could you make the case that in fact they? I mean, because if you didn't know baseball intimately as we do, and if you didn't view baseball as essentially a game of animated contracts running around and battling each other, um, you would be like, oh, they don't have any players for mm-hmm. 2016. What are they going to do? And, uh, of course, we know that, that that's not really, hasn't been the way to look at things for the last 30-ish years, 25, 30 years. But we've also talked recently a lot in the last couple of years about how it's a, it's a lot harder to judge free agent signings anymore because or extensions anymore because uh, it's hard to get players. It's actually hard to sort of get the players that you would like to spend your money on. There's not that many of them out there. They're hard to get, um, and that's why you know teams are able to move their bad con- contracts easier than than ever and and so on. So, is there any part of you that hears that fact about the Red Sox and thinks, oh wow, yeah, no, they don't have. They, I mean, this team that that last year what won the World Series was dependent on David Ortiz. They don't have him under contract, and Koji O'Hara. They don't have him under contract, and Mike Napoli, and John Lester, and John Lackey, and um, you know numerous other players, Jacob Ellsbury, obviously, um, uh, who they don't have anymore. And so they, they do have to figure out a way to put together a roster, right? So mm-hmm. uh, so is there any part of you that that hears that fact and thinks that they're they're kind of in a bad spot, or is that off the table? Uh, yeah, or at least in a spot where where they wouldn't necessarily want to get rid of guys who are ready right now. And and Matt, I think, sort of addressed that at the end of 
his post when he writes, the Red Sox don't need more prospects. They do need to compete and win next season. John Lester can help them do that better than anyone they can inquire trade in, in trade and more cheaply than anyone available to the team through trade or the free agent market, et cetera, et cetera. That, that yeah, they have a good base of prospects, some of whom are, are up already, promising young players, some of whom are, are in the high minors. And so those guys are going to keep the payroll down for for the foreseeable future. So you'd you'd think that that they would want to to keep a few veterans around, or at least that it wouldn't be a a problem to keep a few veterans around. So it it seems like you know that makes you think that maybe they are just not as high on Lester for the future as as people would maybe think that they'd be that they. Just don't think it would be a good contract if they signed him to it because it's it's not that they couldn't find room for him or either on the roster or in the payroll. So now, uh, and and yeah, so when we talk about the the great story of the 2013 Red Sox and and everybody talks about how you know they went and signed eight free agents or whatever, but they were all the short term deals and they all turned out they all turned great they all turned out great. The problem with short-term deals is that they're over really quick. It's like it's like uh, single single deck blackjack, right? Everybody thinks single deck blackjack is so great because you can count the cards really easily. But the problem is that by the time you've 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 gotten an advantage, the deck's done, and then they reshuffle and you have a new deck. And and it's sort of like that with you know some of these short-term deals. Obviously, a lot of these guys you don't you're not. It's not like anybody wants Johnny Gomes for seven years, but. Like if you get a really sweet deal on Koji Ohara, it mm-hmm. might actually be kind of nice to have him for a long time instead of just two years. I mean, obviously your risk, you're exposed to more risk in that scenario, but you also have Koji Ohara for a long time. And uh, anyway, I, 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 I'm trying to talk myself into a position I don't think I actually believe, um, just so in case anybody's wondering. <laughs> uh, uh, so with Lester, you I don't know, Ben, the tone in your voice implies that you think there's something, like, complicated about this. Lester wants to get paid his market value, and mm-hmm. the Red Sox think that he's not worth that much. I mean, they have I'm sure they've had plenty of opportunities to reach an agreement on years and dollars, but mm-hmm. Lester wasn't... Lester looked, Lester looked gone, like, a year and a half ago. He, You can sort of understand why you, you wouldn't be... Um, completely convinced by this 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 you know walk year performance. I mean, he's been a good pitcher for a very long time, mm-hmm. but um, you know, pitchers don't like pitchers aren't necessarily what they look like at their very best. And when a guy is hitting the market when he's at his very best, he probably has an idea that he's going to get uh, his ver- you know the very best possible money, and probably because he will, he probably actually will get something like Zach Granke money, but I don't think that he is Zach Granke. I think he's more like maybe James Shields. And you can have relatively small disagreements like that, and those relatively small disagreements equate to $40 million in the real world. Um, And so uh, particularly for a franchise that has kind of vocally sworn off the sort of long-term deals that free agents who are hitting the market at age 31 – certainly want to get um you know they're not other than the fact that john lester is a red Sox, they're not a very good fit for each other mm-hmm. uh yeah i i suppose there's something to that or yeah i mean maybe you just don't want to to 
buy high, you would kind of be buying high on him. But he's still going to be one of the best options available this winter, and they they could use a guy like that for next mm-hmm. season. They could. Um, it's just that the, the Red Sox seem to have the lesson that the Red Sox seem to have learned from five years ago um, is that you don't get too overwhelmed by your needs for next year to the point that you start signing everybody to five and six year deals. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, the, they're not going to be able to find a Dodgers to bail them out of the next bad batch. Mm-hmm. And I, I mean, I, and I, I'm not saying that they shouldn't sign Lester or that they can't afford him more than, you know, as much as any other team and uh, that he doesn't fit their short and long-term needs and that he won't be a decent deal. I'm just saying that, like, based on the words that come out of the front office's mouth, they seem like the team that, uh, particularly among the small handful of teams that are legitimate contenders for a guy of his caliber, they seem like the one that is, uh, like, least prone by temperament to seek that guy out. I don't know what the alternative is. Uh, mm-hmm. I guess you the alternative isn't to get Ryan Dempster's uh, you know, five Ryan Dempsters every offseason. Um, if if you could, maybe it would be, but it's it's you know it's hard to corner the market on pretty good pitchers who are willing to take one or two year deals. Um, so I don't know what the alternative is necessarily, but um, my guess is that they would be looking for somebody who can provide eighty five percent of John Lester at fifty percent of the contract length. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sure. And in Lackey's case, I, I mentioned the contract, but of course, to keep him and to keep him happy, you might have to give him some sort of extension. He has he has hinted that he might not really want a pitch for that amount of money. Uh, oh, that, that, I hate that. Doesn't that <laughs> just kill you? Like, don't you just feel like we're all Charlie Brown in this situation? Like, we spend two years talking about how cool this option is and being happy that finally somebody's <laughs> going to actually be a good deal. Yeah. And then, and then he just, then you realize, Oh no, they can just be jerks. Like, mm-hmm. like there's no defense against ball players being, being petulant. <laughs> there's just no defense. What do you do? You can't, you can't put in the contract and you have to be cool, man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's, I think I might've mentioned once, um, the thing that John Hart, said when I was talking to him once before a, an MLB network thing about how he was, he, he almost, he was worried when he signed someone, I think it was Omar, Omar. Vizquel. Yeah. Yeah, Vizquel, yeah. He was worried when he signed him to a, a contract that seemed really team friendly because <laughs> as good as it seemed for the Indians at the time, he was, he looked ahead and he knew that, that at some point Vizquel would realize that it seemed really good for the Indians too, and that he wouldn't be happy playing for that amount. And so he, tried to to build in some protection there and say you know we're not going to renegotiate this thing um but but then complaints surfaced at some point because yeah i guess if you get too good a deal then your player isn't happy and your player makes threats and and you almost have to to make it less good uh, a deal uh just to to keep the guy playing which is too bad it is from the team perspective it's kind of interesting to think back about the uh, 2012, the summer trade that the Red Sox made to the Dodgers, and John Lackey at the time was was so bad that even the Dodgers wouldn't take that on, and he would have probably been the best 
probably would have been the best get in that deal, I would guess. Mm -hmm. Uh -huh. <laughs> uh, particularly when you consider the option. Uh -huh. um, but even without the option at this point, I think you could argue maybe that John Lackey has been the most useful of the three players plus him. Mm -hmm. Maybe. Him and Gonzalez, I would say, are pretty close, but Lackey's been paid less. And, of course, Lackey's contract from here on out is super good, and Gonzalez's contract from here on out is pretty bad. <laughs> right. Yeah, okay. Well, um Again, the it it makes sense to to listen to offers for anyone, uh, as even if the Rockies don't agree about Brett Anderson, might as well see what you can get for for Lackey or Lester or whoever. Um, and well, Lackey's Lackey's. I would guess that if Lackey's planning on pouting, that he's really not gonna like seeing trade rumors in, that you know would send him to Pittsburgh or whatever all day tomorrow because mm -hmm. uh, if you feel like you are uh, uh, an, an undervalued commodity who is being kind of uh, I, I, if, I mean if you talk yourself into this being exploited by the team uh, then to be shopped around as a commodity against your will will probably only make it a little bit worse mm -hmm. sure not yeah. that that's the right thing for John Lanky to feel but might be. I mean, John Lackey, man. Guy <laughs> can't even eat noodles. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a I, that's a callback. I almost forgot. <laughs> okay. So, what would you guess tomorrow? Uh, by the time we're by the time <laughs> some people listen to this, it will already be done. Do uh, yeah. do you think who which of the uh, which of the Johns will be a Red Sox? Uh, I think Lackey will still be. And Lester, I guess I'd, I, I guess I'd put the odds slightly in favor of a trade at this point. And let's say they trade him. What mm. kind of odds would it take for you to bet on him being the Red Sox starter <laughs> next opening day? Yeah, um, I'd probably give that about a. 15% chance. Yeah, so I was going to say 1 in 8. So that's pretty close. It is so... I know you said we talked about it last year, but it is so weird. If if Lester thinks that he's likely to be on the Red Sox next year, mm -hmm. just by... Like, if he thinks that, you know, like, he'll stick around for the next two months and then, you know, sign an extension or re-sign with them, it, it just it seems so obvious that he would want the franchise to be as good as possible. And... You know, uh, most of the time, the, all these guys can do, they can do basically two things to make the franchise better. They can play better or they can be paid less. Mm -hmm. And nobody wants to do the latter. And they're already trying to do the former. But this is one thing where he could actually, just by agreeing to go somewhere else for two months and have no hard feelings and to, to really sort of commit to that idea that, like, I'm going to, yeah, I want to be here. Reassure him, I want to be here. He can get them two really good prospects to stand behind him for the next five or six years. And he, mm -hmm. it costs him nothing. It, well, <laughs> I mean, it, it costs him nothing. It, it, it costs him a couple months of, of maybe inconvenience or maybe a World Series ring. Mm -hmm. And uh, and yet, you don't see it. It's so weird that we don't see it. You'd think players would be demanding this. Like, if I were John Lester, I might actually go to the Red Sox and say, idiots, if you, if you don't trade me because you're trying to re-sign me, I will not sign with you because you guys aren't going to be as good as you could have been. So this is me exerting my my influence on you 
to make the team behind me better. If you want to sign me, there have to be two more prospects in your system than there are right now. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I'd make them do it. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. I guess it's uh, I guess it's more complicated than it than it sounds. I guess it's it's messy in practice. Maybe it's like a it's like an open relationship or something. Like you could you could agree that maybe that would work, but then. In practice, it maybe doesn't work so well because once you, once you trade the the guy to a different team and he sees that there are other teams in baseball and that he can continue to to play for them and play well and be happy playing for them and maybe be happier in some respects, then you you probably lose some some leverage even if even if he fully intends to to come back or or he's interested in coming back and you're both interested in making it happen. Just not just having been out of the uniform for a few months, I suppose, makes it makes it easier to envision a future where you continue to wear a different uniform and and then are more receptive to other teams that might make offers. Part of the deal should be that he has to wear the Red Sox uniform under his new <laughs> uniform. Uh-huh. At least like an undershirt or something. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Or a tattoo. If he got a tattoo. Uh-huh. Yeah, permanent. Yeah. Okay. So we'll see what happens. We will discuss, dissect any big trades that go down on our Friday show. And uh, enjoy the trade deadline. We'll be back tomorrow. Wait. Oh, oh! please support our sponsor, Baseball Reference. Go to BaseballReference.com. Use the coupon code, which has been and still is and will continue to be BP to get the discounted price of $30 on a one-year subscription.